Okay, here we are back for another conversation with uh, an AmeriCorps alumni here on AmeriCorps Connections. And I'm so excited because folks, this is actually happening. This podcast is going international. And we have Frankie who is over there in Germany on the other side of the pond. And so <laughs> for all of you that are watching this, give a round of applause for AmeriCorps Connections podcast going international. And Frankie, thank you for um, helping us do this. This is going to be such yeah. a fun conversation. Um, but before we get started, I just want to just, I want to um, shout out to Dan at um, production, Dan at um Time or Money Production, who is also an AmeriCorps alum, and he's helping me um, host and produce. Uh, he's a consultant that's helping me um, host and produce this podcast. So that's this is he is the reason that this podcast is. If you're listening to this on from Apple or any other um, audio device, we want to thank Dan, the NCCC AmeriCorps alum, that helped me get on those platforms. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, so welcome to AmeriCorps Connections, where we catch up with AmeriCorps alumni to reflect on their service term and learn what they are up to now. I'm super motivated to do this podcast because I know how transformative a service year can be because I had my own transformative service year. And it wasn't just the service that I did. It was actually the connections that I made and the network that I made throughout my service year and beyond. And that's my goal and intention with this podcast is to increase and create and start building connections among all of us AmeriCorps alum, even if we're across the pond in Germany, um, no matter where we are. I'm also really excited to learn about what AmeriCorps members are up to now. Um, and this month we are highlighting AmeriCorps. Um, Amer we're always highlighting AmeriCorps. We're highlighting um, Earth Month. And I'm just hoping through these inspirational um, conversations with AmeriCorps alumni who served in environmental programs and maybe in some way still serving uh, or working in the environmental field that some of you might be inspired to take some action um, in your local or global network um, to you know, address some of the issues that we're dealing with um, on our planet right now. So with all of that being said, I'm really excited to introduce Frankie here, and I'm going to let you um, tell everyone who you are, and then where did you serve, when did you serve, and what the heck did you do for your service? So take it away. So hello, hi, everybody, um, AmeriCorps Connections and Nikki, and I just want to say thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor to be able to take part in alumni stuff. Um, so uh, just a quick thing about my program. I actually served with Notre Dame Mission Volunteers 2013 to 2014 um, in Los Angeles. I, I wanted to do a serve, I wanted to do service in the schools because um, the one in LA was really focused on underserved communities. And through my interview, I learned that I would be able to impact them in a way that suited my interests and, and studies. Um, and so I took a chance on doing something sort of unorthodox. I, I think something that's important that you said there and that uh, that's unique to AmeriCorps is that you, there's there's different opportunities out there, right? Like 
um, you could do serve one, it, like you could serve in one way in Florida, but you could also serve in another way it, out in California. And I think it's important, especially right now, it's it's hot recruitment seatment season for AmeriCorps programs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that that's really important when people are thinking about recruiting AmeriCorps members to highlight like the opportunities that the um, individual might have, and they could like customize their service year um, to learn a new skill or do something totally different than what they they thought or intended to to do. Um, so, what type of art and because it was it was integrated, um, it was like art and science. Like, how, what what was the typical project that you did with the students? So, actually, it was art. Uh, it so actually. I had a very interesting service year. I had like five uh, sites um, because one site fell through, another site lost funding and so on and so forth. And so my first site, I was teaching Mandarin, uh, but to like kindergarten, but to kindergarten. So like, we're talking basic level, like Ni Hao Kailan type stuff. Okay, um, like, how fun. Like, yeah, and um, there we did art, just basic art, you know, um, really we were just it was just an opportunity to to be creative i instead of using paint we were using glue and we're making it shiny making it matte pointillism like your typical like arts and crafts with a little bit of like art history kind of meshed in and um in my at my ultimate site uh we used nature in art mm -hmm. and so dead leaves right dead plants to 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 take part in that uh learning about i spent a lot of time on the color wheel also because like at that point in time i wasn't like so skilled in art that i knew exactly so i was like i had to buy myself time so uh, these kids really know about the color wheel um but i used plants to sort of talk about oh. colors yeah so we even got down to like the different type of greens and how chlorophyll and, you know, rays and, and all that. So like using nature to describe uh, like colors and talking about the invention of certain colors that like some places on earth, people were not even introduced to certain colors because they wouldn't have, uh, have that. Uh, isn't, isn't blue a color that's not like really easy to find in nature like it, right indigo yeah indigo so, yeah yeah i what that's really interesting i don't if i said yes to you about that i would i would be like oh just you know making stuff up but i don't know i heard about that i heard yeah. that but i couldn't say factually that's true but i think so but it's interesting because here in germany they're hyacinths and other plants that have, well, I guess they're not blue, but they're like a deep purple texture, mm -hmm. uh, color that kind of looks little, like royal purple, almost, mm -hmm. almost really blue, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I had never seen that in Miami. So, um, <laughs> if you told me that I could, uh, I could see that being true. Right. Yeah. Because I I was not exposed to so much blue plants in the tropical subtropical areas. Right. 
in Florida and California. And so right. during during your service year, um, and so folks that are listening or folks that are watching this on um, right now, uh, Frankie and I had a pre-interview a couple weeks ago and it was scheduled for like 30 minutes and we talked for an hour and a half. So I'm going to try to make sure because like we just we went down rabbit holes and I'm going to try to bring up the rabbit hole of the differences between butterflies and moths because this is fascinating to me. You'll talk about it forever. But um, so this is me trying to make sure that we get through the AmeriCorps stuff before we just talk about random things <laughs> like colors and nature, which is really so interesting and I love it. Um, and I love the idea of using nature as a color wheel. That's uh, like, I think that's something that I'm going to try to do this this weekend is like gather things outside to make a color wheel. And uh, maybe I'll share it like the next time I'm on. I don't know. Maybe I'll share it somehow. So anyways, um, so during your service year, <clears throat> you worked with kindergartners on all different projects. And I love the way that you integrated um, nature into the art and stuff. Um, did you serve like a full term? Was it like a year or nine months or something like that? My term was a year. Okay. And in that, I also uh, did uh, do, I we did a rotation of sorts. Um, in between one of my sites, I worked on someone else's site, which wasn't a school. It was teaching English for the DOJ for um, uh, citizenship. Oh, so okay. So teaching English and yeah. history. So I was like, oh, I didn't know this. And I was like, oh, Lord, thank God I was born here. Yes. And I mean, frozen. it's just, so, yeah, I don't know why. I'm kind I of. I mean, like, you're frozen lovely, like, so. No, you're, you're so sweet. No, um, I don't know. Should I, but if I stop the video, that would. No, well, I, let me try stopping and then um, and getting you back on. Okay. Hold on, folks. So you're back. I, yes, I'm back. So I did a full tour, a full, full term. Um, and I didn't just do uh, the K through eight setting. I also did the justice department setting, um, citizenship learning. Um, and we did volunteering in other sectors. We did MLK, uh, where you do service that was mm -hmm. pretty that was probably the most impactful service I did I have all my life to do that but I mm -hmm. won't have much time to give my my uh Your time. service and dedication yeah. and time to children and people who are often left out of the conversation about mm -hmm. conservation and mm -hmm. I was really adamant about that with my site director I I, I sort of highlighted that I really wanted to like you it we're you're always left behind we're uh, we're always leaving behind communities that really mm -hmm. needed the most yeah. um urban communities um food desert community all of those everybody yeah. is sort of just like you know the, the daily grind going to work going home picking up their children and like not being able to have time to to get uh, information or or that, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, uh, you know, something that is important also for, if maybe somebody's in AmeriCorps term right now and they stumbled across this, across this podcast or this YouTube, um, advocating for yourself, you know, advocating for like, um, uh, you know, when I signed up, this is the, the experience that I was hoping to have. And this is kind of what was 
pitched to me, but I'm not getting that experience. And, you know, in a professional, like kind way, um, there's ways of doing that. But, you know, I, I think it's really important to get what you are expected out of a service year for sure. Um, so sometimes when you know what you don't want, you figure out what you do want and how you do want to show up in the world. Um, so yeah, I think that that's important. And it's also important to advocate for yourself um, in your experiences. Um, so after your, so you mentioned that the MLK service was something that was super impactful. Did you want to reflect on that a little bit? Yeah, and I want to say what you said before was beautifully said, and um, just to put a little Easter egg for the future, it also touches on something about what you get from the service, about work in the real world and how that mirrors service. It's like, no matter where you go, if there's an institution, there's always bureaucracy and there's always a system, and that will put for the next thing, but yes, MLK Day of Service, one of the most impactful. We went to Skid Row. And my site director may be one of God's angels himself. Um, he was he was such a great person. I I think today, like I'm like a I, I would I would do AmeriCorps again <laughs> if if I could if if I get to work alongside him. He was That's and I cool. have to tell you, he had a, a heart the year I was working, there was everybody's service everybody's service was there was a lot of uh discombobulation chaos. but yeah. chaos a lot of chaos and i was like that man is a saint for putting up with that and his wife was uh having a baby so oh i could gosh. understand him but um yeah so we went to skid row and before we did he said the day a few like the week before he said let's do something um like meaningful service but instead of handing out sandwiches he said let's make make something we're, like he got together with some other organizations and he said we're gonna make food like ourselves what is something you cook really well and we're gonna hand that out and I was like I almost cried because just to rewind it of like when I was in uh I think uh, middle school I was in youth group at my Catholic church and my, that my parents, we had like a service day and we went to a homeless shelter. So more families and uh, disasters, not really homeless long-term, but something happened. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then we fed the homeless and then they ate some kind of not bad looking food. And then after they were like, the volunteers were going to get a cake and curried chicken i was like i was so upset and it, the thing is oh like gosh. i don't know why i have this but some sign some sort of fairness thing maybe being a middle child um but <laughs> no like legit i was yeah. like, i was like why why are we eating that and they had to eat that like yeah. why aren't we eating that wouldn't you want to show solidarity like if they're eating uh gruel we'll eat gruel with them yeah? you know i want like I want to go to the story how you guys made something. Um, so I'm Italian and yeah. um, I know my family's gravy. They call it gravy. I know how to make the sauce. And I learned from my dad and um, I know the smell and the taste from being in my grandmother's kitchen. Um, and we'd have to stir the pot every now and then. And so for your supervisor to say, we are going to make something like that's what humans have like we have the we we have the connection and the intention that you put in that meal 
and that food that's going to be ingested by somebody is so much more powerful than giving them a you know something that's store bought or whatever um that is so it, that's so forward thinking it's just so mystical that somebody would actually think like and and that goes into uh this is happening we're going down the rabbit hole but this is good this is yeah. the difference that's a perfect example of the difference between transactional volunteering and transformational volunteering because just you use the great word of solidarity, right? Like you were in solidarity with these people because you were sharing a skill and a food that 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 you make really, really well or that comes from your family. And then you shared that with like another human. And that is like transformational for you and also the person that you you served. Or my my cohorts. The okay. others, someone made some delicious like rice dish with um with shrimp in it i don't know some mm. seafood thing i mean and someone made enchiladas i think someone made a lot of people made some variation of mexican foods mm. which was really thoughtful because of the community also that we were serving mm -hmm. um and so we showed up with like plates of hot food and there was nothing left and yeah. that was like Oh, it touched my heart. Right. So, um, well, it sounds like your service year was just packed full, a lot of different experiences. So what, um, I want to get into kind of what you're up to now, like what you did to get to where you are now and what you're up to and, and why the heck you went to Germany and what you're doing and everything. But after your service year, what, um, what, what did you do after your service year? Cause you had mentioned went... you had a career in GIS, right? Well, in environmental science career, I did a little bit of GIS here and there. I'm currently still um, in that. Well, so I'll give you that journey. Um, I studied the, I studied GIS, but I didn't end up having to like do arc map and stuff all that much. Okay. Um, in what I did, a little bit of here and there. Like I told you, I did uh, worked at a botanical garden doing yes. butterfly research butterfly and working. Research. Yes, and working with Chihuly, who is a world famous glass blower. Oh yeah. He had some installations at the garden. So I directly went from teaching art and science to working in art and science. That's so and cool. And I was like, won't he do it? I mean, it was just <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, um uh yeah, I felt like because like I told my parents yeah, and they were like you are doing this you are doing that and so like I had I could prove it to them because also I left LA to go to Miami to work at this botanical garden and they were working on like a rare palm restoration in okay. Haiti and um we had uh we were I I was deeply involved with the chocolate and mango festival that was amazing I had free smoothies um frequently um in Miami? I got to hang out. Yes. Okay. Yes. Nice. And yeah, I mean, at work. I'm, oh, yeah. Well, and also one of the things I got really so along the way, I got in touch with some glass blower aficionados, and they got like extended um, the opportunity for me to get to see them. But I didn't get to, but mm. I still kept that contact. So that was one of the things that like communities I um got to know about um how they involve color in the glass blowing using metals that's really? how they get yeah like they use cobalt to create the blue for the glass mm. 
for example. Yeah. yeah. So I went from the, uh, the botanical garden and then I, uh, I decided to take, uh, I had, uh, these, um, ambitions with my friend to, we were in a band in college and we decided to, <laughs> to, to get the gang back together, to get back on the road. So we headed back to LA and <laughs> we had a bus. <laughs> we didn't have a bus we we were in a toyota corolla it was it was pretty awesome though that that corolla took us everywhere um but yeah we did music in la um even one uh i we i performed at the zoo uh we even um did this charity event for restoring the river in la and that was pretty awesome. Wait, and did so, you did you sing or were you instrument? So uh, uh, in the band, I was. Yeah. I did a little bit of both. I would say I, I, I sang. I I rapped. I sang. I did the vocals. That's what I did. The vocals. The vocals. Well, yeah. Christina Flores, who I um, interviewed. I think it was like the fourth uh, interview that I did. She's an opera singer. So I mean, I don't know. We might be able to pull together an AmeriCorps alum band or something <laughs> yes oh my god that sounds amazing that's yes. so funny that's awesome so you went and you so you got the gang together and you toured out in out in california how long did you do that we did that for well the tour is very heavy um, I know. <laughs> we, <laughs> that's that's a very nice gesture we we sort of stationary tour we toured around la um but it was very impactful. Um, we did that for seven years up until the, uh, since the pandemic, cause I, I'm not aware of time, but I left, we were doing that up until 2022. Yeah. Last year. So February of last year, I left LA, went to Miami for a little bit. Um, and then ended up here. So it was, but during that time while I was doing music, I worked at the zoo. I, I worked at a, a kids exploratory science museum, mm. um, did a little gigs here. And oh, I worked at a health tech company. And so a lot of m the jobs that I ended up getting on the side were also language based. Mm. And that kind of was what carried me financially. Yeah. And then um, I was still, or the zoo was like my main job, but I. What'd you do yeah. at the zoo? So I was an education specialist. I, we ran programs. I, so I slept at the zoo um, for, I would say for the most of the before the pandemic. So about five years, I would say, uh, I initially joined doing uh, daytime programming and education with the Condor mm -hmm. Conservation Program. And then they were like, hey, do you wanna, uh, they asked me if I wanted to do uh, our, uh, I forgot what it's called, it's been so long. Um, <laughs> it's the, the night program. So basically okay. working with the Boy and Girl Scouts of America. Okay. And so they would earn their badges through um, our education programs. And so we would camp on uh, Griffith Park. So if you've heard of Griffith, in that uh, 
around that area is where we would camp out. And one of the scariest things is there's this panther, P-22. I think he died a few weeks ago. Um, may he rest in peace. But we had to, like, be careful about panthers. And I was like, yeah. no. I, like, I felt like Steve Irwin. And I, I just, like, felt like everybody I grew watching up, uh, grew watching, grew up watching. Watching, I was like, yeah. I, I secretly I'm embodying them. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So you did the zoo and you know, you were, when we were chatting, um, mm. you had, and you kind of said it here and then we kind of moved on, but you said you were doing butterfly research. Can you just for everybody? Cause I think that the, like, that just sounds so peaceful. Like, I don't know. Can you give us like a, a, a rundown, a day in the life of somebody who does butterfly research i hope you didn't have well, to kill a lot of them there was no killing involved actually it was chaotic <laughs> you think butterflies are peaceful but the thing is when you're working with butterflies and with researching and um usda okay. protocol because these butterflies were um some of the most rarest butterflies in the world and moths right and moths and so we had a double containment facility. So to get you get guests and, uh, you know, come in, other researchers, people who come to enjoy the garden, they come in through one uh, containment. They're in this little room. They get Swiffered and then they come <laughs> in and then, you know, la, 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 wow. And then when they come out, they have to, you know, properly because if a butterfly leaves, it's thousands, and I mean double-digit thousands of dollars per really? USDA. Yeah, if a butterfly escapes. And Florida, I mean, I'm sure you may have heard, is a, uh, has a plethora of invasive species from the, the python, the Burmese python, to some some Australian trees that we have that don't belong there. I think the Malaluka, I'm not sure. Um, so there's a lot of invasive species and mm -hmm. there's, they're trying to cut down on that. So what's it like working there? It's like you go in you, and it's early in the morning. You might have a notepad or something and you pretty much just, it's, I wasn't working in a laboratory. There was a lab. We had a lab where the pupas were. Okay. But I was on the inside with the butterflies. And it's just like, you're looking at their actions, their behavior. Mm -hmm. And that goes into how we teach and educate. And that goes also for, uh, you know, the managers and, and you know, you, you, we, we use that information um, right. for our education. For, for the curriculum and everything. For the curriculum, yeah. Um, whether... Like um, uh, lectures um, or for like internal, okay, this butterfly, mm -hmm. one of our rarest butterflies, uh, you know, is acting a little funny, but um, that's pretty much, at least on my side, it wasn't so much lab heavy. Gotcha. Um, what was the, what was the, what was what something really interesting that you observed? That, um, what's something, in, well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't <laughs> go, go for it I don't know what it is but let's go for it <laughs> I mean is this for adults yeah I mean yeah <laughs> well it's just because like, you see um like a butterfly attached to another one and you don't get eggs 
and learning about that they have um like something similar to antifreeze as their blood so that's why they don't get uh so it's important not for them not to get super cold but if they do they don't die interesting yeah that yeah didn't you mention something about the monarchs how um yes like they're they're migratory patterns so they'll make it from mexico to canada and sometimes if they don't make it the the offspring carries on the journey and it's it's so beautiful it's like i flew so that my children could you know that saying uh yeah like uh michael jordan ran so lebron could leap or one of those things um, i love i i really like the connection between michael jordan and lebron and butter monarch butterflies i think that this <laughs> this is a historical moment for podcasting absolutely absolutely <laughs> Thank you. um so i want so since we're talking about butterflies and since yes. i found this so interesting can you tell everybody what you told me about moths and let me just prepare the audience once you have this information you are going to want to share it with anybody that you come in contact with so so if you don't want to hear this information, just stop listening now. I appreciate it. Um, but tell us the secret about secret life of moths. Moths are just like, they're the unsung heroes of the, I think it's the Lepidoptera family. So that's where I, they say that they believe butterflies came from moths. So moths are, uh, might be the OG, right? That's speculation in the uh, butterfly circles. Um, okay. <laughs> but so moths when they are uh when they are born right when they come from their cocoon when they emerge they do not have mouth parts now there are exceptions to that rule there are moths that have butterfly characteristics but in general moths have no mouth parts and so they have seven days to find a mate to make that stuff happen to you know to let reproduce. the pro yeah to reproduce to let the new generation come about so when you see a moth you like you know when people are like make sure you leave sugar for uh um butterflies you know, butterflies and it's like well too bad we don't i think uh, regular folk can't wouldn't be able to see a caterpillar and distinguish whether it's a moth caterpillar or a butterfly because i would say you feed that baby because that's all the food he's ever gonna get yeah that that's and so they're a little bit they have a little bit of a different structure in their body but they are they are incredible there is a moth let me give you more information on that really quick and so while i say that um longest living there's a moth um that is able to basically it lives in a cold region in the tundra i believe yeah the woolly bear moth there we go oh my gosh woolly bear moth i have a little device here it's helping me because um i'm getting a little like flustered but let me tell you about this guy okay. so the woolly bear moth can live i think it's up to 20 years so this moth, it eats, it eats. If it's like, mm, this is not the weather for me, it goes back into sort of a hibernation. Wow. Like, it won't get to the next stage. It just stops. That's so... It, 
Okay, and so I'm gonna, each year, I know what I'm doing <laughs> late tonight. I'm just going to be <laughs> learning about the wo woolly bear moth. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's like fuzzy. And so, yeah, let's say 13 weeks of winter. So basically it'll test the air and be like, if I transform right now, if I metamorphize those, yeah, if I go through metamorphosis, I might not survive. So the woolly bear moth says, not today, Satan, and goes back. <laughs> and then each year it does that, like, basically, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And so it can it can do that for almost like 13 years plus. Wow. So, yeah. So that is... That's, and there's some really beautiful moths too. I remember I used to play soccer and um, it was usually, usually in the evening. Um, and um, it's like some of these beautiful moths, big, big guys would like yep. fly across. I'm like, is it a bat? You know, like what is yeah. that? <laughs> but some of these moths are huge. Um, what can we do to help moths? You said just feed caterpillars, but um, <laughs> right. Well, well in what, theory, right. But should we keep our lights on, turn our lights off? Like, is there anything we can do to support the mo the unsung heroes of the lepidopter <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. family? <laughs> you know, one of the things um, that is said to be helpful is the lights. I think we talked about that. But the thing is, you can't control the street lights. And I don't know yeah. if it is definitely, you know, when you have a light on your porch. That's not as helpful, um, but I would say that's a major one. Um, Turn them off for the moths, but uh, in a pragmatically, can you do that for other things? Right? Because then, yeah. if you're in a place where there's moths, then you might have other critters, and then yeah. you might you might need that light. And and so, <laughs> if if I'm honest to you. Uh, apart from that, which is what I think I talked about last time, I can't really tell you because it's not something we've ever discussed. Like, what yeah. are ways to, because people are really focused. I mean, butterflies have proboscis. They are like, they are pollinators. I don't, I, ooh, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know and think that yeah. moths no. are. You're not so, a moth right. specialist. <laughs> Nope, no. <laughs> and and that's the next thing. Moths don't need to do stuff like that, right? Because they don't True. what what do we see that butterflies are are in flowers trying to get a little some sugar? A moth is like, I I'm good for seven days, you know. They're on <laughs> they they they're doing keto or I don't know, one of these diets where you don't eat they're they're they're, they're fasting, on the intermittent fasting. fasting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's more like never, yeah. But like, oh my gosh. That's so funny. And like, so, okay. So I'm going to bring this back around because we've been talking yeah. for an hour. I knew this was going to happen. Um, okay. So your service year, you worked with butterflies. You did all kinds of things. You're in a band. You moved to Germany. Why are you in Germany? What are you doing out there? I'm studying. Um, so I'm studying computer science and I plan to do my, uh, my, my goal is to finish my master's in GIS and I'm also studying German and I'm out here with my fiance and we have a really deep connection about um, uh, nature. Like 
I'm driving and this man's like, you see, it's a, I can't even see this animal. He's like, you see that bird? That's the German yellow something. So I'm like, how the, how do you know that? And it's like, there's not a bird or an animal. He's like a woodland, like, I think he was born in a forest maybe. Um, Cause he, he's, he's really uh, also um, energetic about mm-hmm. nature. Yeah. And and animals and I think he has a soft spot and that for me has sort of even though I worked with the butterflies right I've always been more towards environmental activism that's Mm -hmm. like that's my bread and butter like you know I got my start from an inconvenient truth the the graphic Mm -hmm. novel yeah (laughs) because (laughs) you're right you know and I you know that's like that's that's where I am and like sort of bringing it being humbled by people who say like nature is not just co2 there's the credits and and there's animals and and so working at the zoo i was probably one of the few people who wasn't um from the zoology sector but Uh one of the reasons i got into the zoo was through my environmental um that was they wanted to do programs with children and also programs with environmental um, science as a mm-hmm. as a core, but I really learned a lot being out here. What it means to live in a country that sort of takes it a lot more seriously. Really? Yeah, it's. It, I mean, you know, you know, like they say, people are just built different here. And and that's just really interesting that you said that Germany takes takes environmentalism um, a little bit more seriously as a as a country. But um, so you had mentioned that you're you're studying to get your GIS uh, master's, right? Yes. And 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 what are you hoping to? Because uh, I also had I did some GIS in back in the day when I was in school and. I, I wrangled arc map also. And okay. um, sometimes those blobs that were supposed to be like dots on the map turned out to be these big splashes. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? But um, what are you hoping to, um, what kind of work are you hoping to do in GIS? Um, to be quite honest, I really want to get into the energy sector. Mm-hmm. Um look, I'm, I'm no different than anyone else. I would like to have a nice livelihood, but I also think that, um, if you really want to make a big impact and so I sort of was like, oh, I, I'm just going to stay in the, you know, in, in education and education. I think you can do that. But when you're strongest, you have to go up against the, you know, you have to, to go, f- I don't know how I want to say this, but like go farther, go higher. So mm-hmm. like the big players, right? And yeah. so I feel like while I have that energy and um, what's left of my youth to <laughs> get that, um, get into that field yeah, um, to, to make impact through there, I really want... I don't want to say the police of, of, of energy, but, but the like the earth, <laughs> free citizen, don't <laughs> let make me, <laughs> um, um, you know, it, um, I, 
yeah, no, I hear exactly what you're saying. Just kind of getting at that next level and being outside of your comfort zone, right? Like we talked, a lot of the AmeriCorps members that I've interviewed have talked about how their AmeriCorps year helped them feel comfortable getting out of their out of their comfort zone. And so, you know, doing those those sorts of things and always growing and pushing ourselves um, to do something different. Um, so as a final wrap up, because we could just go on forever. Um, right. <laughs> as a final wrap up, um, what are what are two questions? What are some of the things that we can, um, and this is just your opinion. Um, it's not like necessarily a um, professional view or anything, but what do you think we can do more of? Um, in the field of environmental, whatever, taking care of our planet? And what should, what do you think we should just do less of, in your opinion? Um, okay, in my opinion, I feel like less greenwashing. Um, mm, yeah. That I think we spend so much time um, saying that regular people should do X, Y, and Z when we know for a fact that... It's not, I mean, there are things that could help, you know, especially, for example, we have seen one too many straws near a turtle and it makes us a little weary. But uh, when we're talking about the earth and how there are different problems, one of the things more we can do is you go to your council meeting, meetings, talk to your local government, you start at the, you know, yeah. the mayor, commissioner level, you mm -hmm. vote in people at not not the president, not the governors. These people, yeah, maybe, local. yeah, the, but local, the local, local city people, councils, yeah. Because you know something, you have more beautiful communities. More people can get inspired to be like that, and mm -hmm. it really has to start at that level. So if you have a mayor who's like, okay, we're not gonna take down the Pine Rocklands, um, we're not gonna build malls over this, but we can say you can do and promote small business through saying, okay, yeah, we'll do something here because there's space here. You can have more beautification that way, and then. These legislators uh, get together, the one is influenced by the other, or mm -hmm. people of this group are influencing the next county or the next city, and then it, you grow a movement. Um, I think yeah. not enough people realize that the you, you can do only as much as your government allows you, and your government is you, you know, in that mirroring, and so you really have to focus on the people who are you know, just above you, you know, even the, yeah. you know how they say the dog catcher or, yeah. I, I, you know, I, that is just such great advice. And, um, you know, specifically that the question was, what can we do about our environment? But you're so right. It's like, we got to start locally and we need to start with the local city councils and in our, in our communities. And if we want things to change, truly change, then we, do need to go through channels like that. So I think that that's like really valuable, valuable we can, advice. We can, I'm so sorry. We can plant more trees. I think that's, we can. Yeah, we can, but the you. But then what? You can't go to your neighbor's house and plant a tree. Right. But certainly your mayor can put out, you know, incentives yeah. to get your neighbor to do it and yeah. stuff like that. And you had asked me in one of the preparation questions about, uh, sorry, there were no prep questions, but about um, what alumni, like AmeriCorps yes. alumni, and I almost feel like we're not, 
some people don't even know about AmeriCorps. And I feel like if the alumni network were not just stronger as a network, but stronger on the field, like out there, mm-hmm. like, I, I just wish I could hear the, like, so many people know about the Peace Corps and that has nothing to do with the, this country. Yeah. And yeah. So, and, and it's like, there's AmeriCorps everywhere. When I was at the zoo, there was AmeriCorps. It's like anything yeah. could be AmeriCorps. Yeah. You know, your mailman could be like an AmeriCorps mailman. It's, it's there's totally like, true. <laughs> yeah, it's totally true. And that's one of the reasons, I mean, this, the reason that I'm doing this podcast is because yeah. I run into AmeriCorps members all over the place. And, you know, there are large, large organizations like Service Year Alliance, like America's Service Commission, Voices for, Na- Voices for National Service, Mm-hmm. that have lo- um not lobbying but have advocacy groups and have opportunities for alumni to be engaged but we just don't know about them so i'm just that's what i'm trying to do is get the word out there and if it's something that people are interested in then steer them into the direction where we can be the voice and if somebody wants to advocate for americorps um there's plenty of ways of doing that locally and then also nationally so this was such a fun conversation. I love your energy. And um, we could just, fi- I feel like we could find any topic and talk for hours and hours and hours. So I really hope this is not the last time that we have a conversation because like you're my sister over in Germany and that's just yes. the way it has to be. So thank you, so- <laughs> thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for spending the time with us and um, getting through the technical challenges. Is there any last um, any last, I don't know, messages that you want to share with people? Yeah, I just want to say, I guess, you know, believe in yourself and your power to um, to involve in your community, um, your love of nature or environment. And if you're not, um, join groups uh, out there. I'm really loving that, you know, there's social media platforms out there that, uh, um, are opening people's eyes to like foraging and stuff and uh-huh. just like you know just you know do some research or anything out um, like that just sort of get out there and form your tribe um, around the environment and and start small and build out and you know invite people into that realm of like let's go on a hike like make nature a part of your life I love that. Make nature part of your life. That's perfect. All right. Well, thank you. This wraps up another AmeriCorps Connections um, conversation. And um, thank you so much, Frankie. It was, this was absolute pleasure. And thank you all for hanging in there. If you made it to the end, then you got the the special advice of make nature part of your life. And I hope everybody has a great day and signing off for now.